Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore campus, Gulf Coast, our Orleans Justice Center campus, online here at Little Creek, uh, to week four of our series entitled A Trap. And I specifically uh, want to welcome all the moms. Happy Mother's Day at all of our campuses and locations. Come on, can we just give it up for the moms one more time? We love you. Happy Mother's Day. If you've not been here, uh, we are in a series, uh, and we are finishing up, like, like I said, we're finishing up next weekend. Our series is called Trapped. I'm going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to help us get untrapped uh, from the different things that try to hold us down. Very excited as well. I'll say one more time for God of the Movies that will be starting on Memorial Day weekend. Today, I want to talk to you about a woman. A woman in the Old Testament, an amazing woman in the Old Testament. I was thinking about it this week as I was putting this message together. I thought about, again, the famous women in the Bible. And I wanted to stay in our series. I wanted to stay. I didn't want to jet out. I wanted to stay in it along the theme. And I, and I thought about, of course, arguably speaking, the most the famous, most powerful woman in the Bible, Mary, the mother of Jesus. But, but, but if, there, if there is a second, if there is a second... It could possibly be, in my opinion, this woman I'm talking about today. Because she is, no, not the mother of Jesus, but she was the mother of the nation of Israel. Today, I want to talk to you about Sarah, or Sarai. Sarai, whose name was changed to Sarah, was married to Abraham, or Abram, who became Abraham, the father of the multitudes. You, you guys remember growing up, those of you that were in Sunday school about Abraham, Father Abraham, and many sons, many sons, had five, left hand, right hand. Come on, did y'all not go to church growing up? <laughs> y'all remember that? You know, it's so all those things. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Sarah, I'll call her Sarah, who was married to Abraham. You know, I've had the privilege uh, of doing weddings. I don't know how many. I don't get to do as much as I used to do because of our Saturday night service and Sunday. But, but it's always cool when you be able to look in the eyes of a, of a young couple and the optimism and the excitement and the, and the passion for life. Because, because why? Because of the dreams and the hopes and, and all the things on the inside of a young couple. It's just amazing. You'll be able to see it and you see it in their eyes. Of course, they'll look at one another and they'll look at the preacher real quick, but they're, they're, they're ready to move on. They're, they're, they're so excited about this. I, I often wonder about Sarah. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly when Sarah and Abram were married. We do know, obviously, they were. And I, I don't know exactly what her age was, but, but I do know this, like any other young couple, she was filled with optimism, she was filled with hope, and, and there was a dream in her heart to have a family. By the time she was 25, again, she was so excited as well, but, but, but there was one little lingering thing she, she, as you know, in the biblical times, the ladies were often married much younger than that, and 25, she... Um, she didn't have children, but that's okay, eh? Because, because, because I know in the next couple of years, we're, we're going to have some children and, and we're going to be able to build the family that we always dreamed of having. And then 30 comes and no children. And that's okay, Abe. And, and Abe was, would encourage her, Sarah, that's all right. You know, we, we, we know some couples that, that they had children in the 30s, and so and, and it's okay. But, but, but then the 30s came, and, 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 and the 30s went, and, and still no children. 
But that's all right. We, we know some Jewish ladies that, that, they, that it's a little bit older in, 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 in Bible culture, but, but we do know some in their 40s that had children. And so maybe we'll just be one of those. And so, but, but, but her 40s came and her 40s went and still no children. And then she turned 50. There's just a handful of people. Now, now, now let me just help everybody. Lest you think, well, man, pastor in the Bible, didn't they live to like a thousand years? I mean, she's like a teenager, man, 50. I mean, no, 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 no. You're right. Before Genesis, before the flood in Genesis 6, they did. 965 years, the oldest man in the Bible, Methuselah, they, they 800. But after the flood, the Bible says, God says, I'm going to cut their life short 120 years. Matter of fact, somebody died 117 years old a couple months ago. So, so we're not talking about, she wasn't a teenager at this point. After the flood in Genesis 6, this, this, this would still be considered, roughly considering where we are today. She went through her 50s and still no child. And then she turned 60. She turned 60 years old and she began to have those nagging questions in her, in her life. God, when? And she began to talk to God because there was no child. And she says, God, I said yes to you on a number of occasions. And, and, and all I wanted was to have a child. In other words, I, I said yes to, well, I said yes to Abraham when he asked me to leave my house and my family. And that was a big thing, God. That was a big thing to leave my family. But I did it. I left my family and I, and I, and I followed, well, I, I followed Abraham and I followed this, this dream and this vision to, to this place called, called Canaan land. And I said, yes, when Abram, well, he asked me to live as a nomad in the wilderness. And, and that was a big deal. I mean, come on, I'm a nester, man. And here it is, we're here and then we got to pick up and then we got to go. And then we're making all these little homes in the, in the desert, but it was only temporary. And I said, yes to that God. I even said yes to Abraham when he told me to lie about who I was. And I said I was his sister so that he didn't get killed. And yet God, and yet God, I've, what about my dream? And then God speaks. She's 65 years old and God gives her a promise in Genesis chapter 12. And God says, and God says, he says to this young couple that he's going to bless them. And that Abraham's going to be a father and that he and Sarah in this union, that they were going to watch this, that they were going to have a family and that family from that union was going to bless the whole world. 65, her dream is almost here. She's so excited. Then she turned 66 and no child. But wait, the promise came. You ever been there before? You got a promise from God. You knew it was from God. It wasn't just something in your brain, but you knew it was from God. But it's not coming to pass. 67, 68, 69, 70. Would this be the day? Maybe this would be the day that she'd tell Abe, something's changing, Abe. I, 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 know, I'm, I know I'm pregnant. And, and, and 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, and 75. And still no baby. All she had was a promise from God. Maybe you're here today. And God has spoken to you. And you know that God has spoken to you. And God has given you a word. And God's given you a promise, and, and you know it was God. And yet, and yet there's been a time, watch this, there's been a time. Let me just say this. There's always a gap between when God speaks and gives you a promise and the fulfillment of that promise. At 75 years old, when she's 75 and Abe 
is 85. In Genesis chapter 16, we pick up, Sarah gets weary and she makes a mistake. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, this is 10 to 13 years, somewhere between 10 and 13 years after the promise in Genesis chapter 12. And we pick up and watch what Sarah does. She decided she had to make something happen. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, the Bible says, Now Sarai, whose name was Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by here. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Look at verse 3. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years, Genesis chapter 12, she's 65, Sarah 65, Abe 75. Now it's 10 years after that. In the land of promise, they're in the land of Canaan, and still no baby. She gets frustrated. She said, here's my Egyptian maid. Go and lay with her. Maybe, the, maybe this promise that we're going to bless all the families of the earth, maybe it's going to come through her. The Bible says, verse 4, look what it says. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, when Sarah saw that Hagar had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Wow. The promise had been given. God had told Abram, you're going to have a family as numerous as the stars. Matter of fact, Genesis chapter 15, he, he took him out. He says, look at all the stars. As numerous as the stars, you're going to have a family. But it didn't happen when they thought it was going to happen. You ever been there before? You ever been in a place with God where things did not happen when you thought they were going to happen? So Sarah gets frustrated. She gets frustrated and she comes to a moment where, 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 where she starts to doubt God. Well, maybe God's procrastinating. Maybe, maybe that's what he's doing. Or, or maybe, maybe God's preoccupied. I actually had somebody in our church tell me one time, I said, well, you ought to pray about it. Pastor, here's what he said. He said, Pastor, I don't want to pray about it because after all, there's so many hungry people in the world. And I'm sure God is feeding somebody somewhere. I said, let me just tell you something. God can handle your need and the hungry people in the world as well. So I don't believe it's God is procrastinating. I don't believe that God is preoccupied. I believe God is preparing. God is preparing you. See, here's what I found. God always does something in us before he does something through us. God, God is building us on the inside before he does something on the outside. And so Sarah, she hesitates. And here's the point. She, she gets impatient. You ever been there before? You know, I, um, I, I don't get to go to a lot of Saints games because, well, I work on Sundays. But you guys get to go, right? And so, uh, of course, last year, man, they had a whole bunch, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you know, and, and so, uh, but, but I do get to go every now and then, probably, probably once a year, and uh, if I get maybe a Monday night game or Sunday night at 7.30, they have those games uh, some, sometimes, and, and uh, I do like watching the Saints, that's why 12 o'clock, when, when we, we, we have 11.15 service, 12.30, you know, I don't shake hands as long, and, uh, but I love people, and, uh, but I'm... I, kind of going to go watch the game. But anyway, so, so I get tickets from time to time. And I remember a couple years ago, I got, I got some tickets and I've got some, brought some guys in the church and we were down there and 
Of course, if you, you, when you go to a lot of games, you know exactly where to park, you know the timing, you know when to get out. I, you understand all those things. So I get out of the game, and because I want to stay all the way to the end. It's a close game. And, and so I get in the car with the guys. One of the guys had to really get back, and he was flying out the next day. You know, I said, no, I want us all to drive together. We're all going to do this together. It's going to be good. And so we're sitting in traffic. And, of course, people start to honk the horn. Of course, I can't honk the horn, you know, because I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. Everybody's going to see that. I want to honk the horn. Of course, other people are doing other things, and they weren't worshiping. And so there was other things happening. And so, uh, and so finally, you know, they're doing all, because you get selfies now. People take, take pictures, right? You got, I mean, so pastor, really, you've got to really behave. And so, you know, so, so I'm, I'm just there. So finally, I get frustrated, and I said, here's what I said. I said, I know what to do. And I thought, I got an alternate route. I <laughs> went down this road and said, Pastor, what happened? Well, in my frustration, guess what happened? We ended up on the West Bank. Come on, you know. What I, <laughs> I ended up in Algiers. That's what happened to me. I showed them. Anybody be honest enough to say you've done that before? How many times, listen, how many times have you been on the interstate or you've been in a car thing and, and, and you get frustrated and you're just like, you're like, and you know, you take this side road, but the problem is your friend who was patient. The fact is the traffic moved five minutes after you left and it took you 30 minutes to get there. And they text you, ha ha, where are you? Oh, impatient one. How many times have we made a quick decision. We jerked our car. We jerked our life. We jerked our future. Only, only to take the, the long route. Sarah was impatient. She, she, she knew she had a promise from God, but it wasn't happening when she thought. So she thought she's going to just help God out. The problem is she made matters worse. The moment that Hagar became pregnant, her Egyptian slave, Sarah despised her and vice versa. Hagar had something that she did not have. She was pregnant. Sarah felt powerless. Watch this. Sarah felt trapped. She felt vulnerable. And when you feel trapped, and when you feel vulnerable, listen to me, you can make some unwise decisions. Unless you understand how God does things. Today I want to talk to you about four life lessons that we can learn from Sarah. Again, arguably speaking, my opinion I think that she's probably the second most important person in the Bible, woman in the Bible behind Mary, because she didn't birth the Son of God, but she did birth the nation that the Son of God came from. Let's look at these lessons. Number one, if we're going to understand what it means, watch us, to fulfill God's promise in our lives, number one, we've got to be careful that we do not get ahead of God's timing. I believe if Sarah was here today, here's what you would say. First thing that you would say is make sure that you don't try to get ahead of God's timing. God has a timing for things. We all have an opinion about how God should do things. You, we usually want them when we want them right now. The reasons that they seem so good to us is because, right, we're smart, we're resourceful, we're Americans, we've got access to things, and, and we want things when we want things, and, 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 and when we want things is usually now. It's now is when we want it. We are all impatient because we've been conditioned. Let me say a couple of things. I enjoy technology. I love technology. The fact is that we have four other campuses right now that are keyed into us, literally thousands of people right now that are watching 
And I appreciate technology. I appreciate all that are connected to us. I appreciate my phone. I appreciate all these different things. But I also understand that we have to be careful that the very blessings that technology has brought us has not become a curse because we get impatient when things don't happen now. We get instant access to people, places, things, informations, everything. Everything. I was watching a movie Friday night with my family, one of my sons. I said, hey guys, you know what that, uh, to my sons, you know what that is? It's a it's a telephone. Oh, no, I know, I know what that is. How, how many of y'all remember? How many of y'all remember a telephone booth? Okay, watch this. How many of y'all remember when it was a dime? 25 cents? 35 cents? Now it's $400 called an iPhone. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Isn't that right? It jumped from 35, boom, 400. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just jumped. And we get frustrated, right? We, we used to, let me tell you how you used to call. You had to get a dime. You had to stop. You had to take your bike. And you had to go make a call. Now it's like, I want it now. If I don't have my phone, I'm evaporating. God forbid if you have to go actually in a coffee shop to get a coffee. That's like from hell, right? I mean, you get drive through. What's up? So, I, look, I appreciate all the modern conveniences. I don't bemoan that at all. But I do understand that we have to be careful because life doesn't work that way in God's economy. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Isaiah 58, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And God has a timing for your life. I wrote this down about faith. Let faith, listen to this. Let our decisions, let your life decisions be guided by faith, not driven by fear, nor frustration. We, we can't be, when we get frustrated, we, we, we make unwise choices. We make dumb decisions when we get frustrated. Out of fear, out of frustrations, we can, we can, watch this, we can take our life and get off the interstate if we would have just stayed put. You were about to move. Instead, you're taking a side journey way over here, and you didn't have to do that. We've got to understand that God's timing is, it's very seldomly our God. It's very seldomly the same. I, I had an older brother, of course, you know what older brothers are there for, Right? To kind of mentor the younger brothers, to tell them what to do, tell them about life. I'll never forget my older brother told me the night before kindergarten, he told me this. He told me this. Big day for you tomorrow, buddy. I said, really? He goes, yeah, big day. He goes, uh, let me tell you what's going to happen in kindergarten. I said, what's that? He goes, you, uh, you're going to learn how to read. Be like me. Stay up all night reading Hardy Boys books. Come on, Hardy Boys. Come on, 1970s. Hardy Boys books. That's right. Yeah, you remember those? So I'll never forget, I got home from the first day of kindergarten. I am shattered. I'm crying. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> My mom comes to me, Stephen, what's wrong? Stephen, what's wrong? Honey, are you okay? I said, Mom, you don't understand something. He told me. He told me last night, when you go to kindergarten, Mommy, you learn how to read. <laughs> I went to kindergarten today, Mama. I didn't learn how to read. I'm so upset. <laughs> She goes, baby, you don't learn how to read the first day. That's how a lot of Christians are. God spoke to me. God gave me a word. Jesus, you got till five o'clock. <laughs> Maybe six, but no later. 
Even when you get pregnant, it takes nine months for the baby to come forth. Are y'all with me? The reality is, we've, I believe that Sarah would say, don't get ahead of God's timing. Number two, the second thing I think she'd say is that our man-made solutions are always poor substitutes for God's promises. Our man-made solutions, what, what we can conceive in our own minds, what, what we can try to figure out, how, how we try to make it happen. And all the while, God is working, God is moving. When we try to create our own solutions, our actions often produce negative consequences. When Sarah suggested that Abraham have Hagar as a surrogate for her, she turned it, watch this, she turned a faithful friend into an enemy. She turned a faithful friend, somebody that served her, an Egyptian maidservant who was faithful to her, she turned her into an enemy. Why? Because of her actions, because of Sarah's actions. Verse 5, then Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. She blames Sarah, uh, she blames Hagar, she blames Abram, she blames God. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. Sarah took matters into her own hands. There's probably something that you want right now, and you're tempted. You're, you're tempted just like I'm tempted. You're tempted to try to make it happen on our own. Now, let me just qualify. I am proactive by nature. I'm a type A personality. I'm an action-oriented, results-oriented individual. But let me tell you what I've found out. My personality does not preempt the timing of God. What I found out is that God is always working behind the scenes. He's working in us, and also he's working in the lives of other people. And yes, we need to be proactive by nature, but we can't get ahead of what God is doing when he's doing it. And God has spoken, and maybe it's to start a business, and you want to start it so bad, and, and you've moved your sights off a of preparation of your character and your skill set where you're trying to make it happen, so, and you keep hitting this roadblock. And then, could it be, could it be that your timing is off? Uh, maybe you're trying to start this or believe for this or you're believing for a loved one to come to Christ or something to be restored or, or, or could it be, could it be that your timing is off? It doesn't mean that you quit. It means that you keep the pressure on the promises of God, but not on the situation. And it means that you keep standing, that you, that you keep believing God. But, 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 but what happens is when we want to, we keep pushing, we keep hitting our head against this wall and this wall. And I understand the gift of persistence, but you've got to understand God's timing is not the same as persistence. You've got to recognize God's sovereignty. What is God doing here? Is that part of your vocabulary? Is that part of our thought process? What is God doing? What is God saying? Yeah. Sarah had great influence over two people. Number one, over her husband, Abram, and, and over Hagar. And yet, she mismanaged those relationships because of her impatience. I, I love it, Joyce Meyer. Anybody love Joyce Meyer in here? Any, anybody? She's fantastic. I love her. She's real. She's awesome. And I've become good friends with her son, David. And, and uh, I love what she says. I wrote this down because I, I think it's so appropriate to this point. Here's what she said. I, I love her. She says, patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave when we're waiting. This is not an endurance race. It's not about I'm just going to grit it. No, it's also about I'm going to discern it. And I'm going to realize that my actions and my decisions and my words and what's going on in that waiting phase. And I'm telling you, some of you are in that phase right now. Whatever that dream is, the promise. I remember when God spoke to me to start Church of the King, my wife and I, there was a promise. There was a timing. There was a timing. And then my pastor, he sensed the right time. There's always, let me tell you, there's always a delay. Some of you feel trapped in the delay. And you're not, tra let me, you're not trapped because of circumstances. You're actually constrained because of God's timing.
if you understand it. Number one, we have to understand that God's timing is not ours. Number two, man-made solutions are poor substitutes for God's promises. Number three, this is so important. When we wait, we must focus on God's character and not on our circumstances. What do we do when we wait? Pastor, okay, I got it. All right, I understand that God is sovereign, that he is the ruler of the nations, that he's in control, but I've got to do something. What do I do? What should Sarah have done? What should Abraham have done? When God is silent, we are required to wait. What do we do? I tell you what we do. We need to make sure that we turn our focus away from our circumstances and we put it on God's character, God's power, God's promises, God, let me, God's presence. We all become fixated on our circumstances. And it's an issue of focus. Let me just give you an example. If you decided to, to, to buy a certain type of car today and you had kind of a make and a model and a color, you'd be shocked. Pulling out of the parking lot at church today, you'd see at least five of those cars. Why is that? Because of focus. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, how our minds are designed, the power of focus. We, we observe, and here's the issue. It's focus. When you focus on your circumstance, what you don't have when you focus on what's not happening, when you focus on the challenges and the obstacles, I'm not minimizing those in your life. I'm telling you, don't focus on them. As the Christian, watch this, as a Christian, our focus has to lift higher than our circumstances, where, where, where we look up. We, we don't live by our five senses alone. Yes, we we, we smell and taste and touch and hear and see. Yes, we live in an earthly realm. Yes, we interface and intergate. We engage in our, in our world with our five senses. But as a Christian, we don't live by our five senses alone. We actually live by faith in the unseen world. Well, that's where God lives. Because our senses can tell us facts, but how many know truth is higher than facts? What do you mean by that? Well, pastor, because some facts could be, well, based upon this, you know, your dad was like this, your grandpa's like this. So you, no, 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 that, that's a fact genealogically, but the truth says he who the son sets free is free indeed. Does that make sense? The, the fact says this, the fact says this about the economy, and the, yeah, but the truth says my God shall supply all my needs according. Are, are y'all with me? The truth is higher than that. The truth of God's word. That's why it's so important that when we're in this moment, we don't focus on, watch this, our circumstances, but we focus on God. We focus on God, who God is, God's power, God's promises, God's presence. What are we focusing on? I love that scripture in Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. It's one of my favorite. I, 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 it says, trust in the Lord with all of your what? Everybody say it. Heart. Remember, we've been talking about the heart, the spirit, the deepest part of who you are. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let me just tell you something. It's not that we don't. Let me tell you, I understand reasoning skills, rationality, cognitive processing, scenario planning. I understand all of those dynamics. And it's not to suggest that there's not some value attached to scenario planning and analysis and, and critical thinking skills. I, I understand all of that. I, I understand how that works. I, I understand logic. But, but I'm going to tell you, even though we appreciate it, we don't lean upon that. We lean upon God. 
We trust God. Even though something may seem right, we, we, what does God's word say? What is God's spirit saying to us? What is the Holy Spirit? We lean upon God. We understand the, the logic, but we trust God. Because sometimes logic in God, it's, it's sometimes fact. It, you, you've got to trust God. For instance, there, there, I've never done this before, but some of you do it. It's called skydiving. I pray for your sanity. I, I don't understand it. I I understand in the military that there's a value in that. I, I, I do get that. We've got a lot of military people in our church. So I've never been skydiving before. I understand and I appreciate from, from the understanding of skydiving, what happens is as you're coming down, there's often somebody that with an arrow, if you, if it's, particularly if it's a controlled environment, and they're teaching you how there's often somebody with an arrow that'll point which way the wind is going, so your direction. A true story, one time I was reading this about a skydiver that was coming down and the person was pointing the arrow to suggest to the person where the wind is so that they would miss these power lines. And in their mind, they thought that's not true, that, that's not right, that's not right. They felt that's not right. It's not pointing in the right direction, that's not right. I, it's, I, no, no, that's not right. So watch this, so there was a split second, just like this where they have to make a decision. Do they trust their own intuition? Do they trust their own reasoning? Do they trust, or do they trust the person with the arrow? Right at the last second, they trusted the person with the arrow. Of course, the wind caught the shoot. It was perfect. They went over the power lines and landed safely. Can I tell you something? Every single day, we have that option. Do we trust our own human reasoning or do we trust God's word? Do we trust our own emotional feelings or do we trust the inner witness of the Holy Spirit? That's why it's so important. Guys, let me just tell you this. That's why it's so important to be in this book. Daily time in this word, spending time in this word, bathing your mind. I had a guy tell me, I asked, I said, well, tell me, do you spend time in the word? Here's what he said. Pastor, I read the Bible through one time, the whole thing. I said, that's awesome. And I took a bath once, but I still need another one. <laughs> Come on, are y'all with me? You're amazing, but you need to run it through again. How I many you know we get dirty every day? <laughs> How I many know there's things that are coming at you every day? There's lusts and prides and things and insecurities and unforgivenesses and bitternesses and little meow, 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 little things and billboards and things pop up. How I many you know we need a daily cleansing of the word? We need daily God to speak. This is the arrow, the true north in our lives. That makes sense. I believe that Sarah would say to us, we focus not on our circumstances. We understand they're there. We don't deny them. But we choose to focus on a higher reality, God, and who he is. Number four, in conclusion, I believe that Sarah would say to us that God's miracles happen when you face the impossible. Now watch this. I'm closing with this. God's miracles happen when you're faced with the impossible. I had a guy tell me one time, he says, Pastor, he says, I love the fact that we as a church talk about God does miracles I love the fact that you believe that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The book of Hebrews says that. That we believe in this church that God can do anything, that when Jesus is present, that all things are possible. Here's what he said. This little caveat, and it, and it really, it was so apropos. It was so good. Here's what he said. Although I believe in miracles, I just hate when I actually get in a position where I need a miracle. 
We can believe in miracles. We can believe that God does the supernatural. But question, do you really ever want to step out and obey God when you get in a position where you actually need a miracle? Had a guy tell me one time, he says, Pastor, why is it that you hear about all these different miracles, these evangelists in Africa and all these nations of the world and all these miracles, supernatural stuff happens. We come back to America and it just doesn't happen the same. You ever heard that before? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Let me posit this. Could it be that we just don't need God in our minds the way they do? Or that we don't think that we need God? See, desperation, desperation is seedbed for the miraculous. When you get in a position in your life and, and you've stepped out and you've obeyed God, you started that business, you, you, you've said, I do. You're stepping out. You're believing for somebody to come to Christ. You're believing for a prodigal to come up. You're believing for, some, you're believing for an addiction to be broken. You're trusting God. You're, you're believing God. You're believing for something to happen, something to shift. So you need a miracle. They only show up in impossible situations. And Sarah, how did she find her way in the Bible? No, she didn't have the Son of God, but she had the nation that produced the Son of God. And Sarah, Sarah was an amazing woman. Sarah was a woman that... Uh, she found herself, not just in the Old Testament, but she found her way into what I call the Hall of Faith. You know, we have in America, we have in Canton, Ohio, uh, the Hall of Fame. And I've got some friends that played football. Aeneas, a pastor in St. Louis who was inducted a defensive back, actually from New Orleans, Aeneas Williams. He's a friend of mine. He played football in New Orleans and went to Southern and he played for, I think, the St. Louis Cardinals. He played for many years. It's just amazing. And he was inducted a couple years ago. I remember watching him one day. And, and, and so when you're, when you're inducted into the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, as a football player, NFL, it's amazing, this wall. And it's these, these greats are just, it's like, oh yeah, that's awesome. And just, man, it's amazing. Did, did you know the Bible has not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith? And people that make it into this chapter in the Bible are the greats. They're the greats. Hebrews chapter 11, I'll close with this. Guess who made it in? Yeah, Sarah. Sarah made it in. Genesis chapter 12, God gives the promise. Genesis chapter 16, she staggers at the promise. And Ishmael comes forth through Hagar. Hagar, Genesis chapter 21, God delivers the promise in a baby called Isaac. She has that baby. By the way, how old, Pastor? How old was she when she had that baby? Y'all ready for this? 90. It's old. That's old. I don't know how many years she believed for her baby. 25 since the promise, but probably 70 as a 20-year-old. Maybe a teenager. And that's what I love about this scripture. I'll close Hebrews chapter 11. Look what it says. This is so powerful. Everybody say, by faith. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She's in the chapter. She's in the chapter. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Let me tell you, some of you are in situations right now. I'm telling you, it looks hopeless. You're a candidate. You're a candidate for the miraculous. You're a candidate. Don't despise where you are. You're positioned. Last night, my daughter and I went out to, to dinner, and uh, this lady walked up to me at, at dinner, and I was with my daughter, and, and she looked at me, she goes, the waitress, 
Oh my, Steve Robinson. Her name's Sherry. She goes, I'm Sherry. And then her last name. It's been 30 years since I've seen her. I went to high school with her. She goes, you, wow, you look the same. Okay, she didn't say that. But anyway, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Close. Okay, close. Okay, okay. She goes, I heard about you. Listen, that's what she said. I heard about you. She goes, I heard you became a pastor. She goes, that's a miracle. <laughs> Why? Because I, 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 my, life, my life didn't look like that. I had people, my mom, people told my mom, Steve, he's, he's so messed up. I thank God my mom prayed. I thank my mom. I thank God she didn't give up. I think, I, don't give up. Don't give up praying for a loved one. Don't give up believing for that miracle. Don't, I don't care what, what's past. Don't give up. I mean, you know, listen, if God is there, all things are possible. God can change your life. God can change your destiny. God can change. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. Because she judged God faithful. Why did she position herself? Listen to me very closely. I'll close with this statement. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. You know what? I'm so grateful that God didn't give up on Sarah in Genesis chapter 16. She made it in, guys. But she made some mistakes. Moms, listen to me. Dads, listen to me. Single people, folks, single moms, foster moms, anybody, listen to me closely. Just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you don't get into the hall of faith. Just because you make a mistake, listen to me. Just because you make a mistake. I've made, mista I made a bunch of mistakes. I could sit up here for hours and talk about my mistakes. But my destiny is not based upon my mistakes. It's based upon my gaze upon the faithful one. His name is Jesus. Come on. How many are grateful for what God can do? Matter of fact, why don't we stand? I'm going to ask all of us to stand.